Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt, Build Your Dreams and Live Your Sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and for those of you who are new to my show, as well as for some of you who are not new to my show, my show is all about flaunt, flaunting your true, authentic self, whoever that may be. It's about taking away our defenses, unmasking ourselves, and allowing that glorious, beautiful light within us to shine, or as I like to say, to sparkle. Anyway, FLAUNT, for those of you who don't know, is an acronym. The F stands for find your fetish. And that means finding that thing that lights you up inside, finding that thing that makes you giddy with joy and moving into that. The L stands for laugh out loud because you know, Life is amazing, and it's fun. And if we're not laughing, then why are we doing it? The AU goes together, and it's the golden center of flaunt because AU is the atomic symbol for gold, and that stands for accept unconditionally, both ourselves and others unconditionally. The N stands for navigate the negative because As amazing and as fun as this life is, sometimes things get in our way and we have to navigate around them. The T, which is the final step of flaunt, stands for trust in your truth. Because no matter what anybody says or believes or does, the bottom line is you are you. Nobody else controls you. Nobody else lives in your body. You are you, and you know what your truth is. So with that introduction or reintroduction to Flaunt, today we're going to have on a gentleman who is an author, an entrepreneur, an artist, a philanthropist, and most importantly, a seeker. He and I share so many of the same beliefs. We both think that life is this amazing adventure, and we feel that we can help people not struggle, maybe in the ways that we struggled, or maybe suffer less, or maybe learn more quickly. And as part of that, he wrote a book. And oh my gosh, I love the title of this book. It's called... You, I am, I almost said you are, because I'm excited about you. I am God in disguise, and so are you. 
And you've got, when you have a chance, you have got to check out my show page where there's a cov- the picture of the cover of this book because there's a picture of a man and it's like Superman when he rips off his shirt. But instead of revealing that S underneath, there's like this ah, sunbeam of God shining out. And I just love it so much. And it makes me smile and it makes me laugh because it's so true. But anyway, today we're going to have the amazing author of this book, Craig Calavo, on the show. And we're going to talk about him and his book and his message. But we're also going to have him go through these five steps of flaunt. So you can really get to know him also as a human as a person, and you're going to learn what lights him up and really what caused him to write this book. So welcome to my show, Craig. I'm so excited to have you on. Laura, thank you so much. And, and first, I just wa- I want to tell you I really appreciate you giving me this platform, allowing me to share my message with your audience. That's, uh, that's fantastic. And I, and I love the the first, this, your acronym is amazing. I love the, the the finding aspect and the laugh out loud. I mean, these uh, these letters and this acronym seem to really mesh or go hand in hand with these stages in life that that I've kind of identified uh, throughout the book, and I'm I'm excited to uh, to explore that with you. Oh, me too. You know, when I first happened upon you and your work, I kind of had that same feeling. I thought, we have the same message. We're just sharing it in a different way. And what gets me so excited about that is knowing that different people learn in different ways. And it's my intention today that maybe some of my longtime listeners will hear things that you say and will understand it differently. And then we'll go, oh, I get it. You know, and then that vice versa, some of your listeners and some of the people that you share the show with will hear my message and will be like, oh, my gosh, I get what they're both saying. And I didn't get that before. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to start the show just by talking about, first, your intention in writing this book. Well, it, it really evolved and if I can just b- briefly explain my, my, my first intention when I picked up the pen and started my writing was simply to share with my kids some of the experiences and aha moments and uh, just to share my journey with them. And, and to, to clarify, my kids are not really kids. They're in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've witnessed them you know, going through a lot of the same struggles, a lot of the same crap I went through, the pain, the suffering, and, uh, you know, plenty of tears along the way. And I thought to myself, hey, you know what? I know stuff. I can, maybe I can shorten this path for them or make it a little bit easier. So so being a seeker, as you, the way you introduced me here this morning, uh, being a seeker on my path for decades I've been journaling like crazy. So I, I dug out these boxes of dusty journals that I've been collecting. I spread them out across the kitchen table. And I mean, it, was, it was really about a two-year process 
Um, my my wife really appreciated my taking the kitchen table for two years. But <laughs> I'm sure she um, did. <laughs> right, right. But about six, well, it might have been four to six months into this into this process where I was just trying to organize, you know, these experiences, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the aha moments, trying to get them in some kind of a chronological order, uh, get them organized so I could, you know, pass them to my kids in a, in a readable format. Right. I, stepped, I stepped back, Laura, and, and this, the story just just kind of presented itself. It started to unfold before me almost as if, as if the universe gave me this treasure map. And unfortunately, the treasure map was given to me in puzzle form, and the pieces were released slowly over the years. I, I, yeah. I didn't have this treasure map access to this treasure map when I was in my 20s, is, is what I'm trying to say. That is, yeah, that's my mission now, is just to kind of uh, put my simplify, demystify this path, put it in a nutshell, make it accessible to everyone, and who knows, maybe we get lucky and, and start a spiritual revolution. I mean, look around the world. We, we definitely need more awakened people on this planet soon. Right. I just want to follow up on, you said simplify and demystify, um, which I think are just phenomenal words. And I think that is a phenomenal intention because you're right. It becomes so complicated. And I think oftentimes it's not. And what I really appreciate that, I too have kids in my 20s or in their 20s. And what I really appreciate what you were saying is, It's not that you're telling your kids, do this and don't make the mistakes. Do this, do this. You're simplifying some of the things. And it sounds to me like you're giving space for them to make decisions and have a a thought process around it, but to simplify and demystify. And, And I really like that. And also, I have had one of my favorite phrases, I guess, or lessons. It's probably more of a lesson. Somebody told me that the smarter you are, the more you try to complicate things that aren't complicated. Yeah, and that really resonated with me because as a former attorney, I feel like so many people in the legal field, and I know this holds true for many people in many fields, we get all in our head that, oh, I need specialized legal knowledge and I need specialized whatever kind of knowledge it is. And we make things complicated that just aren't complicated. So huge kudos to you with the goal of simplifying and demystifying things. Well, well, Laura, on that note, this this, uh, school of life, um, this journey, it's not an intellectual journey. I mean, this, this is totally an experiential adventure. Uh, you can read all the books in your library. Go down the self-help aisle. Go down the spirituality aisle in your bookstore. Read them all, including mine, and you will not get any further. This is, this is uh, experiential adventure. You have to live it. What, what I'm hoping, by identifying these simple concepts and these six stages, my book can act as a roadmap and maybe help you walk a little bit faster on this path. 
And, and yes, getting back to my, my kids, you know, they can't skip any of these steps. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just hoping that they're not as stubborn as their old man. <laughs> and they're not, they're not stuck in these steps as long as I, as I had been. So, I mean, to give you an example, just in a nutshell, I believe that we are all born into this world as a body and a soul. And as human beings, we all share the same uh, primal purpose. I don't know, call it a collective purpose. And, you know, this should really be kind of comforting. So I'm telling you right now, I've discovered we all share the same purpose. And that is to discover your divine nature, this, this sleeping giant, this dormant power that we're all born with, to surrender to that power and to inspire others on this path. And I love that. Do you? So it's just three words. If I can boil it down to three words and put it on a coffee cup, it would be discover, surrender, inspire. I love that. And that leads right into kind of that first step of flaunt, which is find your fetish. And, you know, my next question is going to be to you was, Craig, what are some of your fetishes? And by fetish, I mean the things that get you up in the morning and excite you. And so much of the interview has already kind of covered that, spreading out on the kitchen table for two years. It seems like you really, yeah, had this passion for discovering, surrendering, and inspiring. But I'd like you to talk a little bit more about your journey in discovering that this was your fetish to tune in, to awaken that sleeping giant, and to elevate your life. Can you do that? Sure, sure. Um, just real quickly, I spent most of my adult life in Texas. We really got worn down by the heat, and now we're up in the mountains of North Carolina in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And my, some of my passions, just on a personal level, are, you know, being out in the mountains, hiking and biking yeah. and doing yoga and just totally blissing out. I'm surrounded by rivers and waterfalls and it really gives me the ability to, to connect to nature. And that connection with nature also allows you to tune in to your internal guide, so to speak. Um, yes. You know, I was listening to uh, an interview with this naturalist. I think it was Krista Tippett was interviewing a guy um, named uh, McCarthy, I believe was his last name. He wrote a book called The Moth Snowstorm, and he said, for 50,000 generations, we were the wildlife. We were just another species wandering the planet, and this is where we learned our, our instincts and how to think and how to behave. And it's only been the last 500 generations, you know, since the advent of farming, that we've been removed from nature. Hmm. And... Um, you know, you, you, you can take man out of nature, but you can't take, you know, it's baked into our DNA. Yeah. So here we are, we're sitting, Laura, in these cubicles, surrounded by the humming of the electronics and the fluorescent lights, and we feel something's missing, but we can't pinpoint it. We've got this craving that we just can't, it's like an itch you can't scratch. Yes. And I, I discovered it accidentally. I, I was just out trail running 
which became one of my new hobbies. And all of a sudden, I just felt this vibration of being in nature. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that you know, mysterious craving was satisfied. So that is one of my uh, fetishes. I evolved out of the business world. And after I discovered and I really got on my spiritual path, this, this spiritual path of discovery and surrender, it leads you to a different fetish. I mean, my passion for the past 30 years was what many of us, we know we're chasing the dollar. We have all these ideas of what success looks like. We want the big house and the fancy car and the Rolex hanging on your wrist. You know, so I was studying spreadsheets and sales profits and quotas and and you know I did that for decades, and and when I when I finally dis- discovered this divine nature that was hibernating for decades, and I was able to connect with that part of myself, everything shifted. My 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 mission and my passions changed from well, just to give you an example, uh, one of the many many rewards of surrender is. Your business and financial life improves. Um, yes. Instead of, instead of studying sales figures and profit margins, I started to really, really care more about my employees' well-being, about their families, about my customers, about what makes them happy, what makes them tick. And when I shifted my focus, magically, my sales doubled. They tripled. People can see this authentic nature i mean it just shines through you they just want to do business with you it's just a natural uh result of being authentic and you know chasing your true passion instead of just chasing the dollar oh exactly Um, mm -hmm. just i was just going to hit two others the uh my health improved dramatically another another result of surrender you're like, if I'm a temple of God, if I'm going to be a vehicle for God's expression, I want to be a frickin' Ferrari. So, yes. yeah, I mean, you're going to start taking care of yourself. That becomes part of your spiritual journey. And then your personal life. It just, everything started to shift. My wife literally showed up on my front porch. She bought the house next door to me. That's how we met. And this, this all happened after I stopped fighting against life and just learned how to allow life to flow and my my fetishes uh evolved yes thank you so much for all of that because you're right i think many people might discover you know that oh it feels good to be in nature or it feels good to take care of things but i like how you have that surrender piece because how many people think yes but I have to chase the dollar. Yes, but I have to keep banging my head against the same wall over and over and over because somebody told me I should do it. And you're right. The truth is once you discover it, when you do surrender into it, even if it doesn't make sense, things do elevate. And I really appreciate that you broke that down, you know, financially, health-wise, and relationship-wise because humans, as you said, 
are animals. We have evolved from being wild and, you know, nature. And we have that inherent desire to stay alive, <laughs> as we should. But part right. of that, yeah, inherent desire to stay alive is I have to keep doing the job that I hate. I have to drink you know, at night to relax myself and sit and veg in front of the TV and get myself, you know, overweight and unhealthy and blurred out. And that's, that's surviving, sure, but that's not thriving. That's not being all we can be. And surrendering is what makes us better. So I love that. Well, yeah, Laura, the, one of the main reasons I wanted to throw out a few of the practical rewards of surrender, because if I'm, if I'm a listener, I mean, I, I understand human nature. You, you, you're thinking to yourself as you're listening to us talk, hey, what's, it, what's in it for me? I mean, right. so I, I want to make it perfectly clear that these rewards of surrender, this isn't some hocus-pocus, woo-woo kind of thing. I mean, th- this is for real. I think one of the the main reasons my book differs from many others in this genre, I have read hundreds of them, and I don't believe that they're supposed to be so difficult. I don't think it's supposed to be, number one, so serious, so somber. I don't know. You see you see a lot of the, the authors on the cover, you know, they, they just, very few do you see laughing or smiling. It's like a very serious, somber path, and... And I believe the opposite is true. I believe it's a bliss it's a blissful, happy path. When you finally discover and surrender, it's like a load of bricks lifted off your chest. And the the laughing part is it's just it's just so important. And um, you know, for example, the first stage that I identify as the you know stages of life, obviously we all start you know, when we're born and I, I, I call it alien birth and it's kind of tongue it's it's kind of tongue in cheek and kind of humorous only because I found the definition of alien just to be perfect. I mean it says any being foreign to its current environment, an outsider belonging to a very different place. Well Laura, the way I see it is we are all pulled we're, we're literally pulled from this invisible world of pure energy yes. into, a world, into a world of form at birth. Right. And even doctors say that somewhere between the 22nd and 30th day after conception, this energy, this spark comes from literally nowhere and just appears. Okay. That's God. That's your spirit. That's your soul. So right. when I say when I say we're born into this world as body and soul, that's what that's what I mean. Even even um, you know Einstein when when he talks about this subject, he says, "Listen, this is physics. This isn't this isn't philosophy. I mean, this invisible world of energy. Not that invi- science and technology are catching up with what the ancient." yogis have been teaching for for thousands of years right 
And, and, you know, to keep that in the laugh out loud context, that is something that should be so joyful and so exciting that, hey, this stuff that we might think is science fiction, it's not. Isn't this fun? Let's move into it. Let's explore it some more. Let's keep discovering and then let's surrender into it slowly as things get discovered. Pivot, shift, pivot, shift. Right, right, right. So to, to accept the fact, you know, I, I hear a lot of people complain that the younger generation, the, the techno or digital age is kind of ruining their chance to be on the spiritual path. And I kind of disagree with that. In a way, it's assisting people on their spiritual path. I mean, think of ancient civilizations, you know, who, Buddha or Jesus we're, we're preaching, you know, hey, we're all one, and this invisible soul is within. Those ancient civilizations, they really had to take a leap of faith. But now today, thanks to science and technology, every day, I mean, every time you pick up your remote control for your TV, you're using infrared technology. Every, every time you send someone a text message, you know, we have faith it's going to work. We don't understand right. it. So most of us don't understand how it works. I push the button, and in seconds, my friend in London is replying to me. So maybe, Laura, it'll be a little bit easier for this generation to believe in this invisible world. It's not that big of a leap of faith as, as it was 2,000 years ago. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I was laughing as you were saying that because we just got back from um, my husband and I from our anniversary weekend in Florida. And we, you know, we were checking some of the hurricane damage and having some fun and doing Disney. And every single time we would drive back by a flag, it just kind of became our joke over the weekend. My husband would say, ooh, look at the wind. No, wait, you can't see wind. Look at the effect of the wind. And then, you know, I make this joke like, ooh, do you believe in wind? I can't see it. I'm not sure if I believe in wind. It's not even to suspend our belief, but to, it's to allow us to realize that we don't know everything and we don't need to know everything. We just need to know that there's this effect. You know, I, I don't need to know how my computer processor processes. I just know this is the effect of it. And I can be grateful and happy that somebody else does and I can reap the awards and I think that's glorious. Great, great. Yeah, there's one of my one of my favorite new authors I've discovered is a, a guy named he's a best-selling author named Richard Rohr. It's R O H R and he's actually been a Catholic priest for over 50 years. And I heard him uh, interviewed the other day and he says humanity was not ready for this message 2,000 years ago. Yes. And he, he firmly believes that now is the time. Now is the time that we can say, hey, look, we are a body and a soul, and, and it's time to look within and discover that piece of you. I, I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from, uh, is from this philosopher. His name is pronounced Teilhard de Chardin. Mm -hmm. He's a... Uh, philosopher from a hundred years ago, also a priest. He was a Jesuit priest. And his, his famous quote is, we are spiritual beings 
having a human experience. Yes. And you know what, Delora, when he started preaching that from the pulpit a hundred years ago, the church exiled him to China. They, they yes. didn't want to have any, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I think there were a lot, we've come a long way in the last hundred years. And I think now's the time to, to say, Hey, look at, let's, let's look within and, you know, maybe the world is in chaos because there are so many seekers out there, you know, looking for some simple answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh. yeah, like that, it's the simplicity and the timing. And that rolls right into that whole concept of accepting unconditionally, that there were people out there with this wisdom in the past and maybe the planet wasn't ready, but maybe there were two, three, five, fifty people who were, and it got better because those two, three, five, whatever people understood it and they carried on the message. And now maybe we are ready and we can impact more people, but we also have to accept unconditionally that there will always be the naysayers out there, you know, like the church exiling in because they, he didn't deal with it. It didn't change the fact that it was wrong. The only thing was they weren't ready, but the message was still pure. And I think that's really important in that, that's important knowledge for all seekers to have, for all finders to have, that just because somebody doesn't agree with us, it's okay. We have to accept unconditionally that we are all at a different place on our journey. Exactly. And there's no, there's no wrong place to be. I mean, you, you're going to be open to, to these discoveries at exactly the right time, and there's no... For example, I, I made, in the, in the process of, of writing this book, I was able to kind of hone in on exactly when I made my discovery, and I was about 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really the school of life, which, you know, which can be brutal, did its job, and it wore me down, and, and it got me to a place where... I finally, literally, just looked within, and I, you know, picture picture me sitting there with my head in my hand, saying, "God, there must be more to life than this. What is it?" Right. And th- those words, Laura, were like abracadabra and open sesame all rolled up into one. I mean, it was like my sleeping giant was just waiting to hear that. My soul literally <laughs> jumped for joy. And that's discovery. That's the moment of discovery when you finally get to that point in your life. And it doesn't have to be rock bottom. It's no. Just a point, it's, it's just a point where you're kind of worn down and you've got some bumps and bruises and scars from, from you know, the, the lessons and the school of life. And, and you look within for the first time. And right. that discovery is, is amazing. Um, so that's... Um, that really covers those. Well, I mentioned the six stages of life we all must go through. Yes, it's, it's our it's our free will. How long we're in each stage? Um, some of us are in stage one, like you just said, forever, mm-hmm. you know, or for or for lifetimes, whatever you know, whatever you believe in. Right. Um, so you know, sometimes we get lucky and we move from stage two to stage three. 
Um, so you, we go from this alien birth that I briefly explained. I love before, that. <laughs> before, before we're allowed to enter the school of life, two things have to happen. The soul, you know, this uh, spiritual side of our, of our being, volunteers to step aside. Man cannot serve two masters. And right now, we need to learn about becoming human. We need to learn about human nature. We need to become street smart, learn how to play the game of life. So, so our soul goes into hibernation. This is no mistake. Our soul voluntarily takes the back seat. Yes. Um, so many, and again, this is where I might depart a little bit from a lot of the other spiritual books out there. Most of the experts say that forgetting our divine nature is the root of all evil. And I... I don't totally, believe that either. <laughs> I totally disagree. It's all part of the master plan. We, we must forget about our divine nature to go into the school of life and to become street smart and to learn about the world. Now, now don't get me wrong... Everything during the school of life, all events, all experiences are designed to eventually lead us back to discovery. This, this is supposed to be temporary amnesia. So, yeah. so, you, so you might say uh, that you know, forgetting our divine nature is necessary. Not remembering is definitely a problem. So... Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lead people on a path to discovery and to surrender because I don't I don't want I don't want so many people to be I don't know sleepwalking or in this temporary amnesia for their whole life. I want people to know what I know. Right. Right. So. I like thank you for making that uh, you know distinguishing because I am 100% with you. It's not whatever you want to call it, you know, being being bad, being a sinner, being human, being whatever. I am with you that that's not the problem, that we're supposed to experience that. Because, you know, with the whole laugh out loud thing, and I like, I like, things being a game and I always talk like you know my book it's the dance there's nothing if there's no tension there's no resolution if there's nothing if there's no you know crux of action there then we're all walking around in this state of bliss and I don't want to say there's no point in that but earth is not about having everybody walk around in a constant state of bliss it is about experiencing and forgetting and that's what makes it fun and you know I like that you said that you wrote this with your kids in mind because I try to keep my kids understanding that this is a game you know one of my sons we recently went through a breakup and there's some heartbreak but I'm trying to encourage him that and isn't this glorious that you get to experience this that you get to feel mm -hmm. this you know, that you're going to mm -hmm. learn from this. This is, this is fun. This is good. And next time, you're going to do it better. You know, you know that's, that's fabulous. Well, I, I had a life coach uh, back when I was in my 30s. I hired this woman, and she was amazing. And something she told me that I didn't fully grasp at the time that goes exactly with what you're talking about, 
She said, Craig, a spiritual master is ready and willing to feel all feelings, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and to, to feel them and just let it pass through. There's learning lessons that we need to experience. And I, I really didn't grasp it when, when she first was trying to explain to me. And that goes back to what you were saying. We're all at different stages. And, you know, some of this will, you know, quite literally just sound like a bunch of crap to us. Yeah. And if it does, that, it just means we're not ready for the message. Exactly. But I, I totally know what she's talking about now. So, so what so many of us have done, Laura, when we feel good things, yeah, we want to cling to those. When we feel this pain and suffering or a breakup is a great example, we want to, we want to push those feelings down. And, and that's the worst thing to do. Instead of just letting it flow through you, we want to push it down. And it, it almost gets stuck in your energy body forever. Yes. And yes. why? I mean, I can understand wanting to cling to fun, happy stuff. But, but why do we want to cling to this horde? You know, if you live long enough, we've all experienced some really horrible things. Of and course. We, Laura, we save those things like they're gifts. And we save them and we stick them down inside of our, I don't know, our hearts, our stomachs, our guts. And we, we hold them there and they, they cause illness and pain and suffering forever. And, you know, learning to let those come to the surface and, you know, that's part of surrender also. Yes, yes. I, and, and also, as you were talking about surrender, I know your third thing is inspire. When we fully surrender, it's my belief that we inspire others. You know, in my work, I always believe that I have to lead by example. And it seems like you have got that same belief that you are leading by example. You're putting this book out there. You're offering it as a roadmap. You're saying, this is a gift. This is let me show you where I have not understood. Let me show you where it's been hard. Here's a map. And you're offering it, and in that humility, in that offering, you're inspiring others. And that inspiration, what I like is how that dovetails with my next step, which is navigate the negative. That things happen even when we are fully in our divine selves. Things still go wrong because... We're human, and this is the earth. And, you know, we were talking about the hurricane a little bit before we went on air. Things mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> Things happen. How, how do you navigate some of those difficulties in life, and how can you inspire our listeners here today to better navigation the difficult – or better navigate the difficulties in their life? Right. So I am not going to paint a picture – that after surrender, everything is rainbows and butterflies because that would be a big lie. Right. But what, ha- what happens, though, Laura, is we look at challenging times in a totally different light. We are now aware that the universe is constantly trying to guide us in the right direction and is constantly trying to teach us. And these learning lessons, if, if we're aware that it's a learning lesson and we look for the lesson, I mean, the school of life is like any school. We get lessons. We get tests. And if we don't pay attention to the lessons, we have to redo it. 
And if we if we fail the test, the lessons are going to get progressively harder. And so so the lesson might be a gentle little I don't know picture getting poked with a stick. And and if you ignore that and just rush to the next experience and not look for the learning lesson, then then next time it's going to be a little harder and a little harder. And the universe is eventually going to have to hit you over the head with a with a club mm-hmm. because you're 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 not you're not paying attention. So I would say the number one way that I handle or navigate challenging or negative experiences is to instantly look for the lesson and. An aha moment that I had just recently, I don't know, two years ago, I was out trail running, and this is how I knew it moved from just an intellectual concept into a way of life for me. Yes. Is I, was, I was trail running, and I was just really in this blissful place coming down a, a hill. I was running pretty fast, and I tripped on a tree root uh, that was kind of underneath some leaves, and I went head over heels, and I broke oh. my shoulder. Oh, I know it was it, it was it really sucked. I but bet. I, I broke I broke my shoulder, and when I first landed, it knocked the wind out of me. And as I was laying there, you know that feeling when the wind is knocked out of you, even before you gasp that first breath. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's kind of pan- it's kind of a panicky feeling. Yes. In that moment, yeah. in that moment, Laura. My first thought, I kid you not, and I'm not just saying this, my first thought is, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I I was so freaking, I mean, I'm laying there with a broken shoulder. Now, my second thought was, I need to get the hell off this trail before I get run over by a mountain bike. Right. But But my first thought was, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I was so excited that that was the first thing to come into my mind because it proved to me that I was living what I was writing about and, and what I was, you know, teaching. Um, and um, if you were wondering, what I learned from that was, it was I was really beating myself up. My, my daily exercise regimens, um were pretty hard on my body, uh-huh. so so the universe was telling me to to pull back a little bit, and uh, I actually started. Uh, I changed from trail running to doing what I call just like power hiking now. Yeah, there's it's a little easier on your joints, and you're not going to crash and break any bones by hiking. So anyway, that's not my point. My point is. Every every lesson that comes to you, negative, positive, you know, just ask yourself, what am I supposed to learn from this? And then if you quickly adjust, the lessons will not have to get harder. You learn, you adjust, and you move on. Yes, yes, and, and it's. I love when you were th- when you said that that thought came in so quickly because I too often look for the lesson and the women that I coach, I mostly coach women. That's something that I'm always, you know, asking them, what are you attracting? What, what are you putting out there? And it's so interesting 
whether it's watching other people or it's watching myself, go through those different layers. Because for me, you know, and I'm guessing for a lot of listeners out there and maybe for you at some points too, the first thing we want to do sometimes is justify. Oh, it's not me. It's totally not me. It's not me. It's not me. Not, 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 not. And until we can step back from that and be like, yes, it is me and it is my lesson and it's okay I just need to figure it out. Then we truly can move on and it does make things easier. And going back to that accepting unconditionally, we're all in this life together and we're all making mistakes and we're all getting lessons and it's all good. It's not a judgment thing. It's not that you tripped because you're a bad person. It's that you tripped because you needed to learn something and it makes you a good person to learn it. Right, right. You, you, you've got that. So, so what we've been talking about here are how to, um, how to adjust to negative. How did you say it? Navigate the negative. Negative. Na- okay, navigate the negative. So we, what we've touched on here are how to navigate the negative on an individual level. Yes. I, I would like to just briefly talk about about the the negative that we see on a on a larger scale going on in Please. our country or on a global level. Because yes. it, it could it could really seem or feel overwhelming. And um people have asked me how how can you remain so optimistic in these turbulent times and and I, I believe in this theory called collective joy and collective pain. And I guess just to briefly explain collective joy first, because that's a lot easier. Um, my, my son, for example, lives in Houston. And a couple of years ago, the Houston Astros uh, won the World Series. So I told him when he was wow, eight years old that if the Astros ever went to the World Series, I would take him. So here he is, 23, and he's calling me, Dad, it's time. We're going. I know, I know. He remembered. So I took him to the World Series, and Laura, the collective joy, it didn't matter, young, if you were young, old, white, black, rich, poor, everyone, I mean, it was like one big group hug. And and that's that's in our DNA, and and that's a really really high emotional state that happens in collective joyous situations, and people come together, and our differences just disappear. Yeah. Now, now the other the other side of that coin, though, is the one that we see the chaos, the turbulence in the world, and that's collective pain. And again, sticking with uh, living in Houston for many many years. I've I've witnessed many natural disasters, many hurricanes, to be more uh, specific. And there is nothing, there is nothing like a natural disaster to bring people together. Yes. When when the rescue boat pulls up at your front door, they are not going to ask you who you voted for, and you see just miraculous acts of courage and humanity. And again. This is baked into our DNA. This is who we are. We rise to the occasion. We come together. We help our fellow human beings. And no one cares about 
what your sexual preference is, what your skin color is. Right. It's beautiful. It's be all the superficial label, labels and layers are just peeled away. So I feel like we are living in one of those highly emotional charged times right now, whether it's our political era or just globally. I mean, look at what's going on in Hong Kong. I mean, you can talk about a lot of different places in the world. We, we have been, um, I mean, there's just a lot of negativity and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, I'm happy to say I see people, I see positive results. I think this might result in, this might be a blessing in disguise. I see people organizing and standing up and fighting against fear and hate and separation. And I really think that at, at the end of the day, this, this is going to be a good thing. I agree. I agree. We need, unfortunately, on earth in a human existence we oftentimes need that negativity to bring out the positivity and i agree with everything you've said and yesterday was september 11th we're recording this on september 12th i know you listeners will hear this on mm-hmm. a date but i did a quick facebook live actually from my seat on the airplane And the reason that I did it is I was triggered. I was sitting there on the plane scrolling mindlessly through my Facebook, and I saw somebody very innocently and probably with love in their heart at a remembrance post for 9-11 say, God bless the USA. And it just triggered me. And And I did this whole little Facebook Live about it's not blessing the USA. It's blessing everyone and everything. It's blessing our planet. It's blessing other planets. It's blessing the universe because... If, if we're just saying, yay, shine light and love on the USA, and then we're going to create negativity elsewhere, it still puts us at risk. It's like saying, I hate my left foot, but I love my right. And I'm only mm-hmm. going to work with one foot. Um, you can't only run with one foot. You've got to love it all. You've got to embrace it all. You've got to wish the best for everyone. And it is that unity. And and, you know, like that, 9-11 brought our country together in ways. And some of these natural disasters, you're right, maybe they're going to bring the world together in ways. And I love what you said. Nobody does care when a rescue boat shows up. So, you know, does our whole planet need to go through this crisis to pull everybody on the planet together? Maybe so, and maybe with people like you out there giving people a roadmap, maybe the crisis won't need to be so bad. Maybe we can all come together by choice, not by hitting rock bottom. And that spirals kind of, yeah, and that spirals right into my last thing, which is T, trusting in your truth. And I get the sense from talking to you that you are very grounded in your truth, in your wisdom, that these negative things happen and you've got the collective joy and you've got the collective pain. And it seems like you were very grounded in that truth and that only when we are so grounded and centered, can we do, you know, what you're talking about moving from that discovery to that surrender and into that inspiration. And I feel like you're very, very much at a great place with trusting your truth and with inspiring others. And my question to you, Craig, is, was that a difficult leap to make? You know, making it 
personal to the collective. Was that difficult for you to make that jump? Very. It was very. I'm so glad you asked that question because, you know, I, I thought that writing the book was going to be the hard part. And I really did not want to go on the interview circuit and to have to be an example. I don't know. How can I say this? I, you know, I mentioned in the beginning that I'm kind of introverted and I'm actually, <laughs> my, my family, my family's always called me the reclusive one in the family. And it's a perfect example. Now my wife and I are living up in the mountains and we kind of enjoy our privacy, et cetera. So, so yes, the thought of, of having to go out and talk about this message and plus, plus not, not just that I kept my spirituality. I kept it in the closet for a long, long time. I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I, you know, I was going into these spiritual bookstores and, and buying all these strange books and I was, I was hiding them at home. I, I didn't want my friends and family to see it. When, when I was experimenting with meditation, I would lock the doors and close the mini blinds. I mean, I, I'd, and if someone would knock on the door, I'd blow out the candles and <laughs> quickly right. open all the drapes. So, so it's very recent. Uh, it, this is a new experience for me to, to say, you know what, I gotta, I've got to do this. You get to a point after surrender that you cannot keep it to yourself. It becomes just a natural, it's kind of pushing through you, and you just become a vehicle for this expression. And as uncomfortable, you know, I'm sitting here with sweaty palms and I'm nervous before I have to, you know, phone into you, um, you know, I... I kind of get lost once we start talking right? and then, you know, in an hour it's over. So yes, it was a big jump for me. It was very difficult. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm trying to lead by example. I'm trying to be the change in my daily life in small ways and in big ways, you know, be the change and try to inspire others because people are always watching you. So the good news is, not everybody has to go out and write a book or have a podcast or be so public because I right. know that this, I know this could be terrifying. So I don't want people to say, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be on that path. That is, I'm not, that's way too out there for me. You, the fun part is you get to be on a covert mission. If you choose, um, you get to, you're embedded exactly where you need to be. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a carpenter, a construction worker, a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. When you make this discovery and you surrender, you're exactly where you're needed. So, so be the be the inspiration there. And then um, something that that I have forgotten to mention the last couple times I've I've had interviews was Water.org, and it fits oh. into it, it fits into being the inspiration. So I'm not really going off track here too much. A hundred percent of the ebook sales, the ebook proceeds are going to Water.org, and um, that is really, really important to me to give back. Um, this organization in particular is fantastic. It was it was started 25 years ago by Matt Damon, and um, 
what they do is they go into villages and communities and they bring in export expert resources and they teach people how to you know drill wells and find water and build you know safe bathrooms and i mean it's it's really awesome I, it reminds me what they're doing reminds me of a uh, of a quote from the chinese philosopher lao tzu yeah. I, I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm pronouncing that right. He says, "Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime." Yes. So, instead instead of just going into these communities and donating water, like many well-intentioned organizations do, you know, there's a time where charity's not enough. So they yes. go in and and they're they're teaching people how to be self-sufficient. So. Even if you're not interested in the book, Italy, please visit water.org. Check them out. They're doing great things. And this is part of my mission to, to share a positive message with the world and to help them raise money. I love that. And Craig, before we run out of time, I want to make sure that you let our listeners know where they can get a copy of your book. Okay, sure. You can you can buy the book at any of your favorite booksellers, whether that's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever. Um, if you like, I created a website which not only supports book sales, but uh, it's a place where I get to interact with readers. You can uh, email me there. Uh, you can sign up for a weekly blog post. Uh, I also have created some different posters and prints which support the message in the book. I feel that it's relatively easy to be in this mindset or in this place of awareness when we're meditating or on our yoga mat. The hard part is to take this off the mat and into the world. Yes. So, so these little posters and prints are great to stick up. I've got one on my refrigerator. I've got one next to the coffee pot. I've got one on my bathroom mirror because I want to be reminded every day and it kind of forces me to turn my turn my uh, sights back to what's important. So anyway, to make a long, to, to answer your question is um, awesomelife.com and the word awesome has no E at the end. It's A-W-E-S-O-M. It's kind of a play on words. When you see the logo, you'll understand it. It's like OM, like the OM symbol. Got it. Awesomelife.com. Perfect. Craig, thank you so much for your wisdom, for being brave enough to write the book and to put yourself out there, for taking that internal journey to discover God within you and surrendering to that, and then to inspire so many people around you to take that journey. I think you personify flaunt. You are flaunting yourself. You are flaunting your journey. And I honor you for taking all those steps. And I thank you for being on our show today. Listeners, have a fantastic week. Let that God within shine. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. 
Tune in next time to flaunt, build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt, find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at laurachedle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. Thank you.